Welcome to the Worldwide Golf Shops Insider Podcast. Episode 280. Hello everyone, Tom Purcell here. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a treat for you today. Not only is our guest one of the world's most renowned short game instructors, but he is way more than that. And we'll let him describe that for us. He's brought to us today by our friends at Cleveland Srixon Zexio Golf. Mr. Dave Pels. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you with us. Tom, it's always nice to be with you and talk golf. Well, it's been a while. I look back, it was 2011. So if you don't mind, I, you know, that when you call somebody a rocket scientist, it's a badge of honor. But uh, can you take us back in your past when, when you were actually one of those? <laughs> well, I was a rocket scientist at, at NASA for 14 and a half years because I couldn't play golf well enough to play the tour. I went to uh, Indiana University on a golf scholarship, four-year scholarship, and uh, had a full ride. It was great. I was playing golf. I was planning on playing the tour. And I uh, got out, and I, couldn't, I wasn't good enough. I couldn't make it. So I got a job. Very fortunately for me, I had majored in physics, and I got a job at Goddard Space Flight Center, and it was the golden era of the space race. Um, it was 1961, and NASA had really put a lot of money towards getting man to the moon. But then, oh, I don't know, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but it was maybe a year after I got there, maybe six months to a year, that uh, JFK made the pronouncement that the U.S. was going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And I remember the day it happened where all, all the scientists at Goddard Space Flight Center, that's where I was a, a senior scientist at the time, and I, I um, stood there and looked at everybody else, and they said, did he just say that, that we're going to have a man on the moon in, in the next nine years, and we can't even get a guy in orbit? We, we can't, get, can't get 10 pounds into orbit yet. We didn't have the rockets. We didn't have the the power to get things off the earth at enough speed. You know, you have to get something up to 17,000 miles an hour. And that's the velocity that all of our satellites orbit at. And that, at that uh, velocity, the centripetal force that pulls the, you know, like you have a rock on a string and you swing it around your head. Well, the rock to go out and the string holds it back and gravity is like a string. It holds the satellites to Earth. It tethers them to Earth with exactly the equal force that they're getting to fling out and away from the Earth due to the, the uh, outward force due to their circular motion. So when you get something, uh, well, if it, if it weighs 10 pounds, right? when I was at NASA, the first time we ever tried it, we failed at getting two pounds into orbit. Then we went up to 10, and then, you know, 100, and we're thinking about, well, how about a man? Yeah, we could get a man, but he'd have to be without a spacecraft. you got to get both the spacecraft and the man up to 17 miles an hour in a very short period of time so that 
you don't have so much fuel. The more, the longer it takes you to get to speed, the more fuel you have to burn to get there. And so you have to have this incredibly efficient, uh, motivating rocket engine to get you up to speed. And that's what really the Russians developed that before the United States did. And so they got the first dog. They got the first satellite Sputnik that was put up while I was at NASA. Uh, just when I first went there, they had just put up Sputnik. And then they put a dog up, and then they, you know, they, they really got, they're talking about all these military purposes that they could have things in space. And the U.S. got together and said, look, let's, let's form NASA. Let's get, let's get our own space program because space is the new frontier, and it's never going to go away. It's always going to be out there. So we better get into it and know what we're doing in it. And it was a real exciting time. We got to, I did not work on the manned effort. Uh, I worked in the one of the science divisions. It was at Goddard Space Flight Center, and we studied the atmospheres of our planets, the planets in our solar system. And so we studied Venus and Mars. Those were my two first assignments, was to find out how the sun controls the atmospheres of Venus and Mars. Of course, I didn't know much about anything. I, it was all studying to start with, and then we sent some probes up, and they burn up, and we found out how hot Venus really is. It's really hot. And uh, the first satellite that we sent into there totally burned up as it entered, burned up completely on re I mean, it worked perfectly for, I don't know, about a minute and a half. And then it uh, was burned up because as it got near Venus, there's quite an atmosphere there, and it's hot, and there's a lot of friction, and it just burned right up. So anyway, we learned our, learned our lessons as we went along, and, it was great. I, I was there almost 15 years, 14 and a half years. But in 1975, I decided that I was a golfer who loved physics rather than a physicist who loves golf. And I put golf first, got into the golf industry, took a one-year leave of absence, lost everything I had ever made. I lost my investor's money, I lost my home, and I lost uh, my retirement. But I loved it. Now, Tom, if you can imagine... You're going along, you're losing everything you've had, ever made, but you're loving every day. And I said, if I could enjoy this much and I'm losing money, what would it be like if I ever made money? And so I, I did. I mortgaged my home in both cars and uh, went on my, my fourth year in, uh, in the golf industry and actually broke even the fourth year, almost broke even. I actually lost a tiny little bit, like $4,000. But... Um, then the fifth year, I made a little bit, and next 20, I didn't make much of anything, but I didn't lose any. I just kind of stayed in orbit around the edge of the golf industry, uh, working hard but not making any real money, and then, then things took off. By that time, I, I knew enough about the golf industry, and uh, my wife convinced me to get out of the manufacturing business where I, I'm not much of a marketer, so... I was making clubs, frequency match shafts and uh, woods and irons, sets of woods and irons, and selling them. And, and uh, they were really the best clubs in the world at the time, but nobody knew about me because I didn't market. Uh, the, big, uh, the big companies you know, at the time were Spalding and Wilson and McGregor. Now they've become Callaway and TaylorMade and Titleist, but um, 
back then, I, I didn't know anything about marketing. I still don't. I don't do a very good job of it, but I do love being in the golf industry. And I went into golf research and teaching rather than equipment manufacturing. And I'd been doing a lot of testing that I brought with me out of NASA. I, I learned how to test various parameters of the golf swing and what golfers are doing, chipping and putting. And I found out that, hey, it's really all about the scoring game inside of 100 yards. 60% of the shots and 80% of the handicap strokes are lost to par inside of 100 yards. So I started working on the short game and putting. And, wow, I started giving schools. People paid in advance. I made money. Uh, I loved it. The people loved it. The people played better. The pros enjoyed me helping them a little bit. Everything was very, very positive after the, after the first 15 years when I got out of manufacturing. Yeah, and I think people, uh, golfers now, Dave, are, are starting to get it, aren't they? I mean, they're starting to get the importance of the, carrying the right number of wedges, gapping and, and, and whatnot to, to affect your score. Everybody loves to bomb it down there a long way, but I think people are starting to get it. Do you, are you getting that too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in, in my view, it's about time because I've been preaching it for 35 years. But um, when I look at the world of golf, it's really exciting. I really enjoy people realizing that you do hit the first two shots. You know, you hit the shot off every tee towards either the fairway or the green, and then you hit to the green. And uh, that, that's part of golf, driving and, and approach to the green, that's part of golf. But after those first two shots, there are usually, for most golfers, two or three or four or five more shots. And if there are two more shots, then it's half the game. But that only happens on a a par three. If you hit the green in one, then there are two more shots. Usually after a drive, and most golfers miss the green on their second shot, then they're on the green and two more. That's 60% of the game. The wedge onto the green and two putts, that's 60%. And it's, truthfully, it's about 65% of the shots and 80% of the shots lost to par happen when people don't hit the greens with their irons. They need a good wedge shot. They're not very good with their wedges, and that's where Cleveland comes in. That's why I am brand ambassador for Cleveland Golf, because they make the best wedges in the world. And I think that is the shot that is even more important than putting because my research shows, and this is not just a joke, it's more important where you putt from than how well you putt because most people's putting strokes are actually a little bit better than they think they are. They blame their putting every time they miss a putt, but nobody, even the best pros in the world, can't make putts at a high percentage after 10, 12 feet from the hole. The greens get too complex. There are too many problems. The wind blows. There are too many footprints, and too many things go wrong. So no matter what you do, if you knock it outside of 10 or 15 feet, you're probably not going to make a one-putt. And if you knock it inside of two feet, you're going to one-putt every time. So there's a distance between 2 and 10 or 12 feet that is the most important 10 feet in golf, and that's where your wedge game comes in. If you can get your wedges two, three, four, five feet from the hole, you make a lot more putts than if you wedge them all 10, 15, 20 feet from the hole. That's where Cleveland comes in. Yeah, you mentioned Cleveland a couple times there. Let's, let's go down that road, Dave. Talk about your relationship with Cleveland, and then uh, in particular, if you'd like to, the RTX four wedges, because those things are fantastic. 
Well, I just got mine. <laughs> I got my newest RTX force, and I got five of them. You know, they started. I, I started 64, uh, closest to the green. Then I go 60, 55, 50, and 46. So I've got five of those babies. Everyone has a different bounce. Everyone is a slightly different length. I can hit shots off any surface out of any kind of a lie. Heavy roughs, very tight fairways, hard pan, sand. I can, I've got a club for every one of them. And that's what I really love about Cleveland. Uh, when they came to me a few years ago, it's about six years ago now. Oh, it's been a while. Um, they, uh, they said, would you endorse our wedges and our putter and our golf ball? Because that's our scoring game. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I don't, I don't endorse anything that I can't test and that I can't prove is the best. I mean, I, what do I want to do? I mean, my reputation is, is everything to me in golf. We give golf schools, and we're trying to help people play better. And I'm not about to endorse a ball that I don't believe is really great or a wedge that I don't think is the very best. And so that's what I did six years ago now. I tested everything that they make. I tested the Sirxon balls, and I discovered they put spin skin on their balls. It's really a great golf ball. You know, they've got two and three and four police balls. They've got balls that spin like you can't believe, as good as any ball in the business. And they've got balls that go far and don't spin. And all the things in between, they've got, it's a big company. It's the Dunlop Rubber Company that makes the Srixon ball. And uh, they're fabulous. So I, I like that. And then I tested their putters, and they had these smart square putters. I don't know if you remember the last few years, I've been promoting smart square putters. They've got two boxes on the top that line up with the, with the ball in play, and it makes a real nice line. You can aim it really, really well. And then, of course, uh, uh, the wedges. The wedges were, were without a doubt in my mind because I had, I had made wedges myself, and the ones I compared my wedges to were Cleveland. I, I said, if I can't make a, a wedge better than this uh, Cleveland, then I shouldn't be making wedges. And what I did is I created some new technology that the USGA outlawed, and they wouldn't let me do it. And so then I said, well, I can't make a wedge better than the Cleveland wedges. They really are the best in the business. And that's when they heard that uh, that's the way I felt, and we got together very easily because they are a great company, nice, nice people, but the most important thing is the wedges are the best in the business. Well, we're doing something with Cleveland right now that is just off the charts cool. It's a contest where you come in and demo the RTX four wedges, and four grand prize winners are going to re- receive airfare and lodging into Austin, Texas, attend the WGC match play tournament, but also a trip to your backyard for a short game clinic with the rocket scientist himself. Let me ask you about the backyard. How did that come about? And tell us what's back there, because this, this is off, this is incredible. Well, it is, uh, it, it's pretty unique. Uh, I have a, a 24 and a quarter acre. It's, it's, a, it's not really a ranch, but it's, I call it my ranch. Uh, so it's just under 25 acres. And I've got golf right up next to my house over the first two acres. And uh, it's the dream backyard that I dreamed of for years and years 
while I'm developing schools and teaching the short game uh, to tour players down to rank beginners, all in our schools, and uh, it, it's been a wonderful way to make a living for me, and it's helped a lot of a lot of golfers. But I decided if I wanted to develop new and better techniques of teaching and better efficiency, I ought to I ought to just immerse myself in it. And the way to do that is make it incredibly convenient. Put it right by your house. And in Austin, Texas, land is not the most expensive in the world, and so I bought some land and uh, made sure it was laid out just perfect for what I wanted. And then my wife and I built our dream home. And so we are living, uh, it's pretty much every dime we've ever made in golf we've put into this. But it's, it's a dream house, and it's got a dream backyard, and when I was building it, the Wall Street Journal heard about it, and they sent uh, one of the touring pros told them about it, and they sent a writer here, and he named it the world's best backyard. Uh, did a big feature article on it. It's got eight target greens at eight different distances where I can stand on my back deck and I can hit the all eight greens. Uh, you know, I, I move around on the deck, of course, but I've got it around sides of my house so that if the wind is blowing or the rain is coming, I've still got, I've got a 22-foot high deck over this, uh, I mean, a roof over this deck, and so I can hit in the rain, in the pouring rain, in the wind, or in beautiful weather in the shade, and I've got these eight different distance green targets, and they've got a special patented underlayment under the green where the ball, if it lands on the green, it's like landing on real grass green. If you have a good backspin on it, it'll stop. If you don't, it won't. It's like good, firm greens. They're not like sand traps so that you just hit in and the ball stops. You have to hit a good golf shot to keep the ball in the green. And the pros come here, and they love practicing here. Uh, a few of them, my students do. Not everybody does. But, uh, I mean, it is my home. I don't give schools here. But I have guests over sometimes, and we play and we have fun. And um, it's a very exclusive thing to do. Almost nobody ever gets to do it. And that's what we, when we were talking to Cleveland, they said, you know, a good way to introduce the newest and the best of our wedges ever. They're the Rotex 4. It's R they call it RTX 4. And they've got great groove geometry, great sharp edges, and the face is milled in a pattern that doesn't wear off. You know, a lot of the less expensive wedges, they just sandblast their face. And what you do is you blow sand perpendicular to the surface and make a little pock mark, a tiny little pock mark, and that's what has the face resistance of most wedges. That's what they're made of. They're sandblasted. Well, our Rotex wedges aren't sandblasted because when you take a sandblasted wedge, and you hit sand shots where the sand goes horizontal to the face as the club goes through the sand, it takes the friction right away. The, the pock marks that the sand put in, the sand takes right away when the, when the little grain of sand is sliding across the face. So what Rotex wedges have, they have little grooves that the USGA has approved, and they're the most aggressive grooves allowed in the game of golf. So you can guarantee yourself when you get a new Rotex 4 wedge, You've got the best spin-producing club allowed in the game. Now, the way I, I said, I started to tell the story a minute ago, I tried to make wedges better than Cleveland, and I, I had to put 
more aggressive grooves on them, which were then outlawed by the USGA. So I couldn't, I couldn't beat the Rotex wedge friction on the face. So they put the most friction and most backspin on the shots, and that means that it gives you the most control. If you can land it where you're looking and you can stop it, then, then you can really hit shots close to the pin, and that's what the pros do. Let's see, Rotex 4, the RTX 4 wedge, you come out and demo it and you get a chance to win and four lucky winners will get to go to man's heaven, um, the world's greatest backyard in Austin, Texas. Dave, before we close, real quick, what are you going to do with the students when they come out, the four winners? Well, I'm going to show them. uh, We've got a couple hours here. It's in the morning, and they're going to come out, and then they're going to play golf in the afternoon at a a local course here. Uh, But I'm going to show them what the pros do to sharpen their games. I mean, I have one of my students, we have a little casita. It's a guest casita and uh, a little two-bedroom cottage that's, you know, on, the, on our uh, next to the big house here. And uh, one of the pros stays here every year during the Dell, and he gets out here and he just works on his game like crazy, and he's made it till Saturday every year, but he hasn't won it yet. So we're going to try to get him to win the Dell match play this year. But it's a great amount of fun. We're going to, I'll show them, and we'll play a few games and mess around and, and uh, show them how fun backyard golf can really be. See, Tom, I don't live on a golf course. I've lived on a golf course all my life. I do something one step better. I live on golf. When I walk out of my bedroom door or my office door or my living room door onto my backyard deck, I am at golf. I can launch a wedge. In 38 seconds from when I'm sitting in my living room and I walk, and I'm not prepared for it, I walk down to my office, pick up my wedge, my balls, I go out and I have balls in the air in 38 seconds. That's called really having it right at your disposal. It's easy, it's fun, and it's, if I'd have known it was this much fun, I'd have done it, I promise you, I'd have borrowed the money and done it years and years ago because living on golf is the ultimate lifestyle that I have ever experienced. Well, if you're a golfer and you're not jealous, then I say you're not a golfer. Dave Bells, thanks so much for joining us. It's great catching up with you. Hey, let's do it again. Let's don't make it another seven-year hiatus. Let's, let's do it pretty soon down the road. It's been fun catching up with you. You got it, Tom. And then, listen, be sure you get some guys that really are golfers. I want some golf nuts that are, that are loving these wedges, and I want them to bring their new – Rotex four wedges here to my backyard. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. You bet. That's Dave Pels, simply the best. And he has teamed up with Cleveland Golf here for the contests of all contests. Demo to win, and let's go through it. You go into any Worldwide Golf Shop's retail location and demo the new Cleveland RTX four wedges. And your name will be automatically entered to win a dream trip to Austin, Texas next spring. Airfare and lodging is included. Attending the WGC Match Play Championship. Free round of golf in the afternoon. And that morning, a trip to Dave's Backyard in Austin, Texas. And a short game clinic where he will teach you the same thing he teaches the best players in the world. And here's another one. There's going to be a winner in every one of our locations that will receive a $150 Cleveland Golf Shopping Spree. 
So not only do you have a chance to win this dream trip, your name's also included for a $150 Cleveland Golf Shopping Spree in your store. Each store will have a winner. Well, special thanks to Cleveland Golf again for setting us up with Dave Pels and you, our listeners. We'll do it again next time when we have another episode of the Worldwide Golf Shops Insider Podcast here at WorldwideGolfShops.com. So long, everyone. <laughs>